Judges chapter 2, we're going to read a couple verses that we read last week and then we're going to move forward, hopefully getting into Judges chapter 3, but I do have a gym story. I'm going to tell you now because it's not applicable anywhere else today. Uh, yesterday, Pastor and I went down to a gym in Derby for a squat clinic just to get better at the, the movement of squats there. Uh, figure if we're going to do this, we might as well learn how to do it the best we can. And we signed up for this class thinking it was going to be a rather large class and there were three of us. Which worked out actually really well because we got to meet a 16-year-old young man named Patrick. Patrick is what, 6'4", 6'5", the kid's a beast. He was just messing around and squatting well over 400 pounds at 16. He's just, the kid's a beast. I got a bunch of messages on Instagram from Patrick last night asking about what dad and I do. Because he got to talk to us, got to know us. Got, kid had a potty mouth, to be honest with you. And then he started to find out what we do, and that turned off. We didn't ask him to, but it's kind of amazing how God just does that. Oh, pastor. Oh, I said bad words. Hmm. <clears throat> but pray for Patrick. God opened a door. He's a nice kid. A hockey player. He's a junior in high school, and he, he needs the Lord, and he's asking questions already. So please, if you would, pray for Patrick. That's all I'm going to give you on that. But um, good day. By the way, your pastor's a beast. 65-year-old one-legged man, and he's a beast. There's now people at two gyms that think he's awesome. So... I thought that was pretty cool. Judges chapter 2, I told you, has nothing to do with the book of Judges, though, so I figured I'd get that out of the way. Let's look at verse 14. We're going to read a, a small passage here. It's stuff we've already covered, but just kind of bringing us back to where we were. Judges chapter 2, verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. And Let's, uh, let's have some class participation here. Why was God angry with Israel? What did they do wrong? They, they decided to live with the people instead of kicking out. They didn't conquer the land. Can we boil this down to a very basic word? They didn't obey fully. They obeyed, but not fully. Okay? So God's angry with them. Valid thought, yes or no? Yeah, he gave them a simple command Conquer the people. In fact, he said, you do it, and I got your back. I'll take care of everything. And they just gave up. They stopped, and what did they do instead of conquering the people? Taxes. They were like, hey, we can make money off these heathens. So they decided to do so. Look at verse 15. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. And we talked about this last week in uh, Leviticus 26, and I believe it's also in Deuteronomy chapter 28. God warned the people, you do what's right, I'll bless you. You choose to disobey me, and I'm going to be against you. That's a scary portion of that verse. I don't know if you mark that. The hand of the Lord was against them for evil. This is not the focus of today's lesson in the slightest, but you do realize the Bible tells us that God holds all of created universe in the span of his hand. He's literally got the whole world in his hands. Just so you know, that is a weirdly biblical song. Not all of it, but most of it. That hand that holds the entirety of the universe in the span, that's this portion, the palm of his hand, is against them for evil. The Bible says, whithersoever they went out. That means all the time. That's a scary place to be. The God of the universe, the creator that can literally speak life into existence, uses his strong right arm against you for evil. Simply for disobedience. 
that's a scary place to be. And that's where Israel's about to be, starting in this chapter, going through the next roughly four centuries of their lifetime. They're fighting against the God of heaven. And we act like we can do it. We have examples that uh, it doesn't work, folks. Anyways, I'm going to stop. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. Nevertheless, we talked about that. One of the most important verses in this passage, and one of the most important words, nevertheless, in spite of the fact that all the previous was just said, disobedience, God's angry, he still raised up judges. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. And they turned quickly out of the way, which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not. So, and when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies, all the days of the judge. For repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers. In following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them, they ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. And it's in verse 18. I have this marked and highlighted in my Bible. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings. do you ever have a moment with your kids or any kid that you're working with or teaching that whined so much they got exactly what they wanted? Nobody's dealt with that? That's just me? For real? Wow, your kids are amazing. We're God's kids and we do the same thing. We whine and complain, this is so, and he gives us exactly what we want. Deliverance. But here's the thing. Look at verse 19. Came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves. How many times have we come down to this altar? Lord, forgive me for what I've done. Lord, help me to get past this sin. Help me to, help me to get this, this besetting sin, whatever it may be in your life. Help me to get it out of my life and to move on so that I can be a better Christian. And the very next Sunday, you're back here asking God for forgiveness for the exact same thing. Over and over and over repented the Lord because of their groanings. We do this to God all the time. But we act like we're reading through the book of Judges and I would never do that. Are you kidding me? You did that last week. You're going to do it again today. Probably do it again tomorrow. It's human nature. Aren't you glad that this whole passage starts with nevertheless? God still loves us in spite of all of our failings. We will never, ever, 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 let me repeat this, never, ever, ever, ever be good enough. But God still loves us. That's massive. If anybody's ever told you that God dealt with people in the Old Testament differently, I don't personally believe that to be true. The method, the style may have been different, but all of it was God wanted to have a relationship with his people. And that includes, on our part, basic obedience. If you look at all of the laws, by the way, hundreds and hundreds of laws that the Jewish people had to hold. Thankfully, Jesus narrowed those down to a few basic ones for you and I, and we still fail the basic ones. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Have we even done that on the Lord's day so far? 
It's 10.22 a.m. Has he had all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind since you woke up at now 10.23? No. So we're not even following his command right now, and that's a basic one. But he still loves us. Isn't that an amazing thought? Let's keep reading here. Verse 19, and it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers. That is that is interesting little thing to note. And if you, if you do, write in your Bible, mark that. Corrupted themselves more than their fathers. Every generation throughout the book of Judges gets continually worse. Every single one. Why? Because that's the basics of human nature. We talked about this several weeks ago. The era of people that are in our world today called the greatest generation. They are a generation that is passing off the scene very rapidly. In the United States, they only make up between 2 and 3% of the U.S. population. Those people that, are, that fought through World War II, not just lived through World War II. The ones that helped fight through World War II, the greatest generation. They are passing off the scene. The very next group, which includes a whole bunch of you, would be the baby boomers. Those that came out from the late 1940s into the early 1960s. The baby boomer generation. If you look at from the greatest generation to the baby boomers, there's a massive gap. Massive. In integrity, in character, in work ethic, in discipline of children. The generation that comes after them, Generation X, those are the kids that lived in the early, uh, late 1970s to the early 80s. Considerably worse than the generation before them. Am I correct? I'm a millennial. My generation's considerably worse than Gen X. The kids coming after us? You realize what's on TV and what's on the internet today? The kids today have no morals. Where did they learn that from? My generation, which learned it from the generation before me, which learned from the generation before them. Why? Because when World War II ended, the greatest generation dropped the ball in educating their kids properly. You can't say that about them. Statistically, I'm still right. That's exactly what happened in the book of Judges. They repented. They got God on their side. The judge would deliver them. And as soon as that judge was dead, the next group was worse than the last one. Every single time that happens, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, because that's the age group that's in this room, it's our job to break that cycle and fix that. By the way, with God's help, we can do anything. Have you read through the book of Joshua? With God's help, they did amazing things, and the very next generation gave up on God. The 70s are over. The amazing revivals God did during the 70s and early 80s are long since gone. We need them back. How are we going to do that? With a relationship with God that starts with me, starts with you, and spreads to our children because we do right. The book of Judges should be our format for what not to do. Unfortunately, it's like our playbook on how we're supposed to raise our kids. Let's keep reading. I know, now you're annoyed with me. Let's keep reading. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. That's verse 20. This is kind of the second time we've seen this. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, Because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice. And let's pause for just a minute. Two little words I want you to either underline or highlight in this verse. Verse 23, this people... He's not taking credit for them anymore. This people. 
not my people. Could you imagine being in a place that's bad enough that God disowns you? That's a pretty scary place to be. So now it's not just he's got his hand against them. He's not even acknowledging them as being his people anymore. By the way, that's entirely by their own choice. Who did they decide to serve? Baal and Ashtaroth and the other gods, correct? That's part of the problem in the first place. He's fine. You want to worship them? Not my people anymore. This people, not my people. Because look, he acknowledges, transgress my covenant, which I commanded their fathers. So he's acknowledging that at one point you were my people, but not right now. That's a scary place to be. I keep repeating that phrase. If you haven't caught on to it, it's because it's a scary place to be. I don't want God to be my enemy. I already have enough enemies of my own, mostly because I have a really big mouth and zero filter. I have enough enemies of my own. I need God on my side. I can't afford to have him be my enemy too. Verse 21, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. So God actually just kind of stops. He's like, fine, you don't want to do the work. I'm not going to either. In fact, I'm going to leave these people here. Remember, if you go through the beginning of the book of Joshua, or Judges, when uh, Judah and Simeon decided to go up and fight for Israel, God actually directly told them, I will be there to deliver the people into your hand. Do you remember that portion? Okay. In fact, go back with me. Let's just actually read it. Judges chapter 1, verse 2. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I, that's God, I, have delivered the land into his hand. And now here we are in chapter 2, right near the end of chapter 2, and God's saying, you know what? I'm going to leave that little bit left because I'm going to see if these people have anything to them or not. I, I, I talk a lot now, but there was a time in my life that I didn't do that so much, especially with strangers. I, um, I remember one of the very first times I got a job I was painting a fence for family in our church in Pennsylvania. It was the McDonough's. I painted their fence, and we went out to dinner, and mom and dad decided to make me pay for my own dinner because I made my own money. That was mean, by the way. But I had to go order my food from the stranger lady at the counter at McDonald's. Yeah, it was hilarious, he says. It probably was. I would have probably made, like, it would have gone viral before that was a thing. It would have been America's Funniest Home Videos. That's not my jam. I'm not good at that. I don't want to, I don't like strangers now. I don't like half of you now, okay? Okay, that was a joke. A few people just got offended. You're like, oh, okay, kidding. But here's the thing with that. I just completely lost my train of thought. That was gone. Hmm? Yeah, I got that part. I was wondering where that train was going into the station, and it's gone. Yeah, I'm yeah, too young for that. It's, I, it's God's judging me for making fun of old people all the time. I'm so sorry, Lord. I repent. Please don't know. Don't be my enemy on this one. No, God, mom and dad were trying to teach me something. They were trying to teach me how to be a functional adult. These people right here, 
God's about to do the exact same thing with them. Are you going to be a functional follower of me? Are you going to do right even if there's adversity? Because when you test somebody, that's when their true personality shows up. When somebody is at their worst moment, the way they respond and react, that's the real them. And God, God's about to find out who his people are. Unfortunately for him, his people are a lot like us. They kind of gave up the moment pressure got tough. They backed off and, well, I'll, I'll fix this problem on my own. Well, you know, I can't actually see God. So how do I know that he can fix this problem? You're going to say you believe that he created everything by speaking, but he can't fix your little problem. You don't get it both ways. You either believe him or you don't. And he's about to, and he directly says this in verses 22 and 23. Guys, it's time for some tests. We do tests in school. How many of you were, you enjoyed testing? Anybody that kind of, I, I was that kind of a weirdo. There's a few of us. Miss Molly Rogers is like that. Some of us like testing. Why? Because it proves our superiority. Hey? <laughs> it's true. Hey? No, it, honestly, I enjoyed, like, you remember those, like, old school, like, uh, Stanford Achievement Test where you filled in the little black bubble all the time? I liked those tests. Number one, it was three days of no regular school, okay? That's a win right there. And I liked those because when they finally came back, it actually proved if I was smart or not. Most of the time, it was not, so, okay? But I enjoyed testing. Some people thrive under pressure. As we're going to see, there are about 13 judges that thrived under pressure with God's help. But there were a couple million people that crumbled under pressure over and over and over again. Because those people that thrive under pressure, and in this book we call them judges. In today's world, we would have called them heroes. Okay? These would have been those epic heroes. Think like, like Hercules. That kind of Achilles, those epic heroes, that, that level of stuff, those are always in the minority. They're always in the minority. And we're going to see that throughout the rest of this chapter. Ta turn to Psalm chapter 90 verse quickly. Psalm chapter 90. We're going to look at one verse and then we're going to move forward. Psalm 90. <clears throat> look at verse 11. Psalm 90, 11. Who knoweth the power of thine anger. Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Okay, at the beginning of this, it says the, Lord's, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And the psalmist is saying, who knoweth the power of thine anger. If God can create the entire world just by speaking, what happens when he puts an entire emotion like anger against you? I keep saying this. It's a scary place to be. It's a scary place to be. Let's jump right into Judges chapter 3. If you'd go back there with me, Judges chapter 3. This, so far, we've basically covered in Judges 1 the disobedience that turned into straight-up apostasy. It went from they're going to do exactly what God said to do. Then they came up against an enemy they couldn't defeat. So instead of asking God for help, they just decided to put them to tribute and taxes. And then the preceding tribes took that and made that worse and worse. So it's not where we're just actually going to live with the people around us. We're going to live with the people. We're going to worship their gods. We're going to, they basically just ingratiated themselves with the people around them and turned into the enemies of God as opposed to 
getting rid of them like they were supposed to. So God's now angry. And chapter 2 is basically a recap, if you will, a prequel of everything that's about to happen. In Judges chapter 3, this is where we start to meet some of our first judges. Look at verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. Even as many of Israel had, as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war at the least such as before knew nothing thereof. So God is going to leave some of these Canaanite nations. And then the following verses, we'll read those in just a moment. He actually lists off several of the nations that he left behind. And he's given us the clue that he left these behind on purpose. These particular groups, because he's going to use them as a testing ground for Israel. But he also gives us a weirdly practical reason at the end of verse 2. To teach them war. This generation that is risen up, remember as Judges chapter 1 told us, Joshua has died and all the elders that were behind him have now all passed off the scene. What's left behind, we're given the inclination of here, haven't had to fight for their freedom. They haven't. They've never had to fight for their freedom. To bring that into modern day, the generation of kids today that are drastically jumping towards communism, the, the AOC, the Bernie Sanders, the socialism, the, they, they're using fancier names for it. It's communism. They've never seen a true fight for their freedom. Whether they experienced it firsthand or by proxy, whatever that may be, they've never in their lifetime had to experience a fight for freedom. They're the kids that don't weren't alive when 9-11 happened. Okay, a whole bunch of us in this room that are my age and younger, we didn't go fight. But that moment impacted our lives in a way that's changed us forever. We're more pro-America than we ever existed before because we didn't think about our country before that day when we were under attack. Are we okay? This is that type of generation. They'd never had to fight for their freedom. This generation never experienced slavery. This generation barely experienced, if at all, the wilderness wandering. This is a generation after Joshua passed off the scene. The last major battle during Joshua's lifetime was more than likely somewhere between 10 and 15 years before he died. So this is a very, and there's a whole generation of older folks that lived, outlived Joshua this is a good 40 years after the last major conquest. These kids don't know what it's like to fight. So God's got to teach them how to take care of themselves. Okay, my, my third, Molly. I've talked about her almost weekly because she's my, she's a challenge. Okay, Molly's in Taekwondo right now. And a mom and dad signed me up for Taekwondo about the same age because Molly and I have very similar characteristics. Tiny human beings with a very large personality. Those are the kids that get beat up. Okay, if you haven't noticed, they usually do. Now, I wouldn't mess with Molly today because she might hurt you. Okay, um, but we, we, we're signing Molly up for Taekwondo and she's actually, she's done amazing. It's been good for her because it's teaching her discipline. It's teaching her self-defense. By the way, the self-defense is just the secondary portion of why we signed her up. 
It's the discipline, it's the obedience, it's the work ethic is why we signed her up for that. God's trying to teach his people something. Unfortunately for them, they don't have a nice teacher like Molly's got Master Hugo that will work her hard, but is kind and loving at the same time. God's angry and he's using every power in his hand against them and he's literally got enemies that are gonna teach these people something. That's a scary place to be. I'm... I'm, do you get there's a repeat theme here today? If you haven't caught it, I think I've said it like 32 times. Let's say it all together. That's a scary place to be. Okay, like four of you joined me. Come on, guys. This is Sunday school, so we're going to repeat after me. That's a scary place to be. Thank you. Look at verse 3. Namely, five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites. By the way, all being an all-inclusive word, which means... All. Uh, as best I could study out, this included somewhere around 50 to 60 individual city-states that were left behind. That's a large group of people, okay? And the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount uh, Lebanon from Mount Baal-Hermon unto the entering in of Hamath. This is actually a rather, relatively large portion. Just to give you an idea, the, the Hivites here that are given this credit from uh, dwelling in Mount Lebanon, um, Baal-Hermon entering in Hamath, the area that the Hivites would have covered would have been about half the size of Rhode Island. Okay, so fairly large collection of city-states at this point that are all somehow related and connected to each other. Let's keep reading in verse 4. And they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. You do realize that everything in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and now the book of Joshua were in some written form in the Israelites' hands. They had all of the direct commandments of God in more than likely, by the way, the first five books were actually in Moses' actual hand. He had put those together. They still have these. This is, this is only, again, about 45 years after Moses has passed off the scene. They still have all of this. They have got the direct word of God to know exactly what they are supposed to do. Unfortunately, God has to test them because he doesn't think they're going to follow it. We have a little bit more than six books. We have 66, somewhere over 100,000 individual verses. But God still has to test us on a regular basis to see if we still love him, to see if we'll still obey him. How often do we fail those tests, though? Can I be honest with you? There's one type of person, my wife knows this, there is one personality type that every couple years God puts in my life because they drive me insane. And God tests me on this personality type every couple years to see how I'm going to handle it. I am almost 100% certain I have failed that test every single time. I'm waiting. I haven't had one of those people in my life in a couple years, which means I'm probably due. And a few of you are thinking, hmm, I hope it's me. All right? But God puts that in my life. On purpose, when I first got my, my learner's permit on the day I turned 16, there was a kid in there, I don't know if you remember this, he came out, took the test at the same time as me, he's like, oh, mom, I failed it again, and she's like, that's the fourth time. 
At the time, Connecticut only had four learner's permit tests, and he had taken each of them and failed them. I hope to this day that that kid still doesn't have a driver's license. That's 10 questions, and he failed it four. That's really bad. I'm an adult, and I still fail those tests on a regular basis. God's given me everything I need. He gave me a Holy Spirit that I can communicate directly with God himself to get the answers that I need, and I still fail those tests over and over and over again, and we're going to see the exact same thing. I'm going to stop here. Next week, we're going to introduce our very first judge, and it's somebody we've learned about, somebody we've talked about in the past. Um, The first three judges are all listed here in Judges chapter 3, and they're actually some of the judges where we know the least amount of information, which is going to be a little bit on the intriguing side. So your homework... I told you, it's Sunday school. Your homework is to read Judges chapter 3 this week. If you would do that for me, how many of you think you can do that? It's, it's one chapter. It's 31 verses. If you break that up over the next six days, that's a whole five verses a day. If you have a smart speaker, you can literally ask Alexa to read those to you. If you're lazy enough to not read them yourself. Five verses a day. Read Judges chapter three for me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, everything, thank you for everything that you do for us.